Today, we're starting our new series called the Blueprint for Life. I believe God has given us a pattern to not only build our life, but to find life. And I know that throughout the word of God, the whole word of God is a blueprint for life. And, and, and every part of scripture gives us crucial uh, and, and precious ways to find life. But I believe that uh, Jesus himself kind of brought all of those things together. And in this one uh, uh, portion of scripture has, has just given us some of the core um, uh, summarizations of how to find life. And so we're going to be looking at this teaching of Jesus in uh, starting in Matthew chapter five. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Matthew chapter five with me. And uh, we are going to start today with this, this teaching of Jesus himself. So Jesus himself is going to teach us and give us the blueprint for life. And I'm telling you, uh, this is the only way to build life. You can build life in different ways, but it will not give you the same result. There is no other ways to God. There is no other ways uh, to find true life and fulfillment and contentment and success in life. There's just not. And I know people don't like to hear that because uh, they want to go their own ways and other ways seem good, but only the way of Jesus will give you eternal life, life that lasts, life that is uh, uh, deeply, profoundly satisfying. So let's pick it up in Matthew chapter five, verse one. It says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were even before you. So in this teaching, Jesus brings out the first point of our blueprint. The first thing that we need to understand to build our life upon, to find the life that 
God desires to give us. And I just apologize right now if the uh, screen is backwards. Um, uh, hopefully you can still read that. Um, uh, but I had the setting different, so something's changed there. But Jesus talks about humility. The first thing we've got to enter into to find life is we find life when we begin to develop a life of humility. When we humble ourselves, God lifts us up. And actually, this is one of the, uh, the most talked about subjects throughout the word of God is humility. And we could, we could read many scriptures that would encourage humility and that gives the encouragement that when you humble yourself, even though it feels like you're losing, you end up gaining. That it, it is a paradox of uh, the way God has created our spirit, the way we were created for interaction with one another. That when we die to ourselves, we actually find life. And when we humble ourselves, we actually are lifted up. And I'm going to bring it just to one scripture. Um, like I said, there are so many scriptures that would immediately come to your mind about, about humility and being humble and coming against pride. But I love this, this scripture that I came across um, in Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22 verse 4 says this. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. The reward for humility. And notice how humility is connected to the fear of the Lord. And throughout the Bible, humility is connected to serving God, following God, loving God. You cannot disconnect the two. If we truly love God, we cannot love him without humility. Um, we cannot follow him without humility. We cannot serve him without humility. And so the reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. And so Jesus himself shows us that life is found in humility. It is found in humility, but it is only found when we truly give ourselves to humility. When we humble ourselves from the deepest core, when we become humble, not when we do humble. A lot of people do humble. And you know what? When you do humble, it is a little uh, false because you cannot do humble if you are not being humble. It is something that has to start from within. It is a heart of humility, not actions of humility. Uh, people feel put off when we act humble. It, it becomes a self-righteousness. It becomes something that patronizes them. It's like, oh, yeah, you're serving me, but, but you're really just serving me uh, to get something. There's no true compassion. There's no true heart of understanding where I'm at. And so God calls us to be humble, to develop a humble heart. Like that song we just sang, God put within me a humble heart. I want a heart that Jesus had. You see, this is why people love Jesus. The crowds love Jesus because he was not like the Pharisees that he just did these, these good works. He did great works, but they came from a great heart. 
So I want to look at this teaching that um, uh, Jesus shows us about humility. And this section that we just read, we know we, we know that section as, as the attitudes. And we call that because it really has more to do with our attitude than our actions. That Jesus says, if we're going to be humble, it starts in our heart. And that is the first blueprint for life, a successful life, a life that makes a difference, a life that you will not regret, a life that brings happiness. I'm sorry, you will be happier when you live a truly humble life than you could in it, in all the accomplishments or experiences or pleasures of this world. But as we read all of these things, many times we just read this as this long list of, of things. And he uses the word blessed. Blessed are these people. In other words, happy, joyful. And the real word blessed is, is complete. Complete is the person who is like this. But all of these things, can they all have to do with humility. And they really bring humility into three main areas. And I just want to encourage you to ask yourself, as we just go through these pretty quick, are you being humble in these three areas of life? Are we being humble, first of all, towards yourself? As you see yourself, are you being humble towards yourself? And, and Jesus put it this way. He, there was two things that he, he spoke about. First of all, he said, the person who is humble towards themselves is someone who is poor in spirit. Blessed is the one who is poor in spirit. What does that mean? That means that they realize that they are not entitled to anything. They live without entitlement. They don't think they deserve anything. They're not looking for my fair share, but they are poor in spirit. They are recognizing that I'm not the one that owns everything. In fact, nothing is mine. But by the grace of God, everything that I have is a gift. And when you recognize everything as a gift, there is a heart of humility, of gratitude, of thankfulness, not of holding on to it because it's not mine. You see, poor in spirit means that I depend on God. I don't take things for granted, but that I can, I can rejoice in every moment of life. Now, it is not a poverty of spirit. It is a poor in spirit. It is this, this sense of, of uh, treasuring things. You know, we know that generation that went through the Depression, the Great Depression in the 30s, many of your grandparents or great-grandparents. You know what? They loved things in a deeper way because they didn't have things. And so they, they treasured when they had those things. And I think we've lost the treasuring of things because we're not poor in spirit. But what we have done, we've, we've developed a poverty of spirit. And this is not what Jesus said. He's not talking about a victim attitude. He's not talking about feeling like, oh, I don't have anything and I'm nothing. That's not being poor in spirit. That's, that's having a poverty of spirit. And Jesus does not call us to that because we are loved. We are precious and God has given us great things. We are not to be victims. We are to not have self-pity parties. But we are simply to understand that I'm not the one that deserves it. I have no claim on things. That is the humble heart. 
that puts away entitlement. And that's what we've got to put away as Americans. I'm sorry, all that's going on in, in our nation. Uh, I don't even want to talk politics because all of it from both sides is a sense of entitlement. Of I want things my way. And this is what the way you, know, you need to let that go and just put our eyes on Jesus. And we, we trust in Jesus. I do not trust in the government. I don't trust in, in a person. We need to trust in God because we are poor in spirit. The second thing, when we develop humility towards ourselves, is he said, blessed are the mourners, those who mourn. Now, he's not talking about grief, uh, again, that, that pity for yourself. The mourning that he is talking about, he says, blessed is the person who realizes they are broken and, and, and they are convicted by it. They are hurt by their own brokenness. They don't see the, the, the problems with everyone else. They see the problems with, within themselves and they mourn over it. In other words, we see our sin and it breaks our heart. That, that, that is a humble person that realizes that, you know what, I, I'm not going to focus on what you've done wrong because I have done so much more wrong. And it breaks my heart when I think about my selfishness, how much I've hurt other people, my pride, uh, the words of my mouth that I've said out of, out of anger. All of these things, I see my own brokenness and I mourn over it. And I desire, God, I reach out to God. God, I need a healing. You see, it's those that recognize their sickness that are the ones that find healing. Jesus himself, the Pharisees, they rejected him because they would not even recognize that they needed that kind of a savior. And yet he says, I've come to the poor. I've come to the sick. That they will be healed. And so we need to develop a spirit of recognizing our need. That's when we are truly humble. That, that you recognize how much you don't know. But where it hurts your heart like David. I love this, the 51st Psalm. Read that. That is a heart of mourning. Where he cried out to God and he said, God, against you alone have I sinned. But take not your presence from me, but restore the joy of my salvation. Forgive me. Let me be pure. See, he mourned over his brokenness. So many times we, we notice others' brokenness so much more than ours. But when we recognize our own faults, then we can move out into life in humility. Now, it's not to always bringing up our faults. And I'm again, it's not a mourning of, of defeat. It is a morning of recognition that there is a source of healing and that God has given me the ability to find forgiveness and grace, but yet I still struggle against my own uh, brokenness. And I recognize that, and that's always before me, but never to keep me down, but always to keep me humble. So these are the ways that we are humble toward ourselves. They affect our attitude. They affect how we see life. It is not as entitlement and it is not as uh, in pride or uh, uh, feeling like we deserve things, but it is always understanding that I am poor before God and I am broken before God, but I move forward in the power of God. But not only do we need to be humble towards ourselves, but Jesus uh, taught that, that we are to be humble 
toward others. And as we are uh, uh, humble towards others, uh, we begin to change how we not only view ourselves but view those around us. The first thing he said, he said, blessed are the meek. And you see, meekness, um, many times they just think that's another word for hum, uh, humility. And, and it is, but it's, it, it is not a definition of humility. It is a form. And what it really means to be meek is to be gentle. There, there is a sense of gentleness towards other people. Jesus, it says, was the most humble because he would not even break a wet reed, it says. He was so gentle. With people that were hurt, if we are not gentle with others, we can cause more damage. So God is saying, I am looking for those that are willing to humble themselves to be gentle and meek. That as you interact with other people, there is a treasuring of them. See, gentleness is, is that type of uh, humility that when you're holding something precious that is fragile, there is so much care and, and love that goes into it. That is meekness. Uh, it does not mean that we become mats that can be walked on. Um, the, the picture uh, that uh, is used many times of meekness is some, uh, a team of very powerful horses that have been trained and brought into the ability to serve. And, and yet with gentleness, they carry their rider um, they pull their load. Um, even though they are strong, they could they could just go uh, as hard as they could. And yet they've learned meekness. And in that meekness, they accomplish great things. Uh, they are able to, to do things in combination with their rider um, that are amazing. And yet it is the gentleness of a strong creature. That brings meekness. We need to understand that in God, we are strong, but yet we bring it under the control of the Holy Spirit. And we we operate in gentleness. We need to develop gentleness. I know I need to develop gentleness uh, in our words, big time in our words, uh, in our uh, response to people. Just being gentle, understanding that, yeah, I might have the right to do something. But I choose not to because God's called me to meekness and he will take care of the rest. My power is in him and I'm going to leave that to him. But as far as my part, I'm going to be meek and gentle. You see, that's the heart of Jesus. He reflected that. And aren't you glad that he treated us? His humility towards us was one of gentleness. And we are to be humble towards others in our gentleness, no matter what they've done. See, it's not about what they deserve. Humility means I choose to be this way because God has called me no matter what they've done. That's why Jesus said you can turn the other cheek when you're slapped. You can love your enemy. We're going to be talking about that in, in a few weeks. But humility towards others is a gentleness. Not only that, but it is mercy. He said, blessed are the merciful. In other words, when we are humble towards others, again, it means that we show mercy. We don't give people what they deserve. That's what mercy is, is that I know you deserve this. 
but I choose not to get it. I am going to give you mercy. We need to be merciful people. We need people that are not being critical. We're not being judging. You see, we leave God to be judge and we're the mercy givers. We need to be merciful. Now, merciful does not mean condoning and just saying everything's okay, but it means we interact with them where we offer mercy. And mercy is, is not just you get away with it, but mercy is a covering. We begin to speak into their life in a way that brings healing. That's what mercy really is. It, it is not giving them the condemnation but yet leading them in a place and offering them mercy and covering. We talked a lot about that uh, during our Christmas uh, uh, series in that love is covering and not holding it against them. Forgiveness. See, that is true humility. Are we humble towards others? Are we gentle? Are we forgiving? Are we merciful? And then finally, it says, blessed are the peacemakers. You see, sometimes we're merciful, but we're not peacemakers. Peacemakers goes the extra step. Not only do I show mercy, but we bring wholeness. You see, the actual word peace um, does not mean to solve a problem and make peace. Okay, are we good? Okay, we're good. Okay, we've solved peace. No, the word peace is shalom, which means to bring something to wholeness. To be a peacemaker really means to, to bring things back together, to, to heal those things that were broken and to be a reconciler. You see, God said he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So we are to see others in a way, how can I make you better? Not how can I bring you over to my side to where you have to agree with me? Okay, now we've, we've solved this. No, peacemakers are ones that see others as worthy of being fixed. And not fixed in that I'm going to fix you. Fixed in the sense that, that I want to make you whole. I want to make you all that God wants you to be. Um, that is being a peacemaker. It's not just solving an argument. Blessed are the peacemakers who speak into other people's life and bring wholeness. This, has to, this includes justice. This means being people of, of reconciliation uh, where there is a need for justice. Uh, whether it is racism, whether it is between uh, statuses, the rich and the poor. Um, it is just in life, everywhere that people are ripped apart, that we can speak hope and life into those situations and bring Jesus, that we bring uh, Jesus into those situations. We are not the source of peace, but we are the conduits of peace that we speak Jesus, we speak hope, we bring the cross into those places of hurt. We, we are the people who walk in justice, which is not condemnation justice, but which is love and mercy and grace for both sides. See, many times peacemakers is not just, well, I'm just gonna lift up the oppressed. You do understand that a peacemaker has compassion for the oppressor. This is why Jesus said, love your enemy. There needs to be a peacemaking attempt for the oppressors. And yet many times we just want to put them down and rile them. And we think that that is being just. That is not being just. All you're doing is creating that gap even further. Yeah, you may be lifting up the oppressors, 
but you are not solving the problem. This problem is not solved by picking a side. The problem is solved in humility, humbling ourselves, and just loving people, both sides. That I do not see much today, but we need to be humble towards others of both sides to be peacemakers, to be merciful, and to be gentle in all of this, to be gentle and meek. So we are humble towards ourselves in our attitudes to ourselves. We are humble towards our attitude towards others, which brings happiness. But finally, and this is probably the most important because I've seen a lot of people that are humble people. Man, they are the gentlest people. They're, they love other people. Uh, they don't act in, in uh, prideful ways towards himself. And yet they just cannot come to this point. That is to be humble before God. You see, being humble towards yourself and being humble to others will mean nothing if you cannot learn humility towards God. And this actually probably fuels the first two. Jesus says we must humble ourselves before God. First of all, he says, blessed are the hungry. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, I want to ask many of us, and I have to ask myself, I love God and, and we follow God and we have chosen the way of God. But can I ask you this? Have we humbled ourselves to such an extent that we hunger for God? Are you hungry for God? Are you thirsty? It says, as the deer pants for the water, my soul longs for you, God. Have we really humbled ourselves? See, that takes humbling. Because the reason we're not hungry for God is because we've been filling ourselves on other things. God, I love you, but man, this really feeds me. Spending time with my friends. Hey, this is my time. Why are you taking away my time? Really? Until we humble ourselves towards God, we will not find life. You're, you are building your life on a flawed blueprint. We need to be hunger, hungry for God. When we find a hunger for God, God's gonna do something in you that is gonna make a difference for everyone around you. Do we hunger for God? Do we long for God? Anything that has to do with God, whether it's other people, the body of Christ, the word of God, prayer time. I hunger for all of these things because I hunger for God. That is humility, recognizing, see, it's connecting to this poor in spirit that I need you, God, that I hunger for you because, God, without you, I'm poor. I'm gonna go hungry if I don't get you. We need to be driven to get closer to God. This is humility. Humble ourselves to say, God, I need you. God, create within me a hunger for you. Blessed are you who hunger for God, that long for God. And this goes to treasuring God, that when God becomes so important, more important than your friends, more important than your family, he becomes more important than every activity you have, that you find pleasure in him, he will give you pleasure and he will give you opportunities for those other things. Those other things are going to kill you until you put God first and then he will give you those other things in a way that honors him. Blessed are those who are hungry for God. But not only that, but he says, blessed are those who are pure in spirit, pure in heart. Now, that does not mean pure, perfect. It doesn't mean that, that man, you don't have anything wrong. You're pure. You're, you're just that, that pure snow. The word pure here is really like a, um, 
when we think of purifying metal, if you want pure gold, you've got to get everything else out. So he's talking about a heart that is single-minded for God, that loves God and is, and is not unfaithful. A good word here is someone who is faithful to God. A pure heart is one who is loyal to God and does not commit adultery. See, God uses that word throughout the Bible. He says, my people have committed adultery against me because they say they love me, but really they go and, and love the world. See, they're really loving those things way more than me. So the pure of heart is those that, that are faithful. Are you truly faithful to God where you are single-minded? That is your one treasure. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy those things, but you enjoy those things as God leads you into them. But God is your soul and single focus of your life. When you begin to hum humble yourself to that single focus, say, God, I want you alone, then that purity is going to bring life. So that pure of heart is that single focus faithfulness. How faithful are you to God? I ask myself and I have to, oh God, make me mourn again. God, bring a mourning in my heart because I have not been faithful to you. So many times we choose other things over him and I think it breaks God's heart. Let's begin to develop a faithfulness towards God. God, make me pure in heart. See, I might mess up. I, I, might, I might fall into those struggles that I have, but God, you are my goal and focus. And so in those times, I, I cry out to you for repentance and forgiveness. And you see that faithfulness towards God is what will build a strong heart and a strong life. When you are faithful to God because he is your one source of life, are you pure in heart? That takes humility. See, and some people just cannot do that. I, they just cannot see that God needs to have everything. And I'll tell you why, because he is the source of life. That's it. That is just the way we were created. You know, it's like a fish saying, I don't understand why I can't just live up on the land. You will eventually die. You can do it for a short time, but you just need to understand you weren't created for that. You were created for the water. And I'm telling you, we were created for the spirit of God. And you will find joy and happiness when you finally humble yourself to that. But not only that, but he says this. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake. And blessed are you when they revile you and they say bad things about you for my sake. See, this is the key thing. When when. This is the humbling that you are willing to even sacrifice for God. No matter what it happens in my life, God, you're number one for your sake. I treasure you more than anything. When God becomes your treasure, that, that even if you're persecuted, God, that doesn't matter because what can they take away from me? They can't take away anything that I don't treasure more than you. Now, persecution is hard if you treasure those things more than God. If you treasure your house, if you treasure how people think about you, if you treasure your pleasure time, then it may feel like persecution when you have to lose those things. You may feel like you're persecuted by God. 
And yet Jesus says, blessed are you if you do that, if you are willing to sacrifice and, and experience hardship for the sake of Christ, for his sake. You see, it. understand it says for his sake, not going through persecution just for uh, any old reason, but when you do it for his sake, because you are living for him in gentleness and in faithfulness. And if that happens, then that's okay because I'm putting God first and I'm willing to do it for his sake. That is humility. So I want to ask you, are you humbling yourself before God? Are we humbling ourselves between for ourselves? Are we humbling ourselves toward others? And are you humbling yourself toward God? Are you hungry for him? Are you faithful to him? Do you treasure him even above persecution, loss, sacrifice? Until we humble ourselves to that place, we cannot be lifted up. You see, you can't start building the house without the foundation. This humility is the foundation. Our fear for God and love for God and humility towards ourselves and others is the foundation that we're going to build this life. That's why Jesus starts with this part of the blueprint. You've got to start with your heart. And when we do, look at this. In every one of those, it gave these things. Blessed are all these things that we talk about, for they will receive heaven. They will receive the, the pleasures of earth. They will receive comfort, for you will be satisfied, for you will receive mercy, that you will see God and have God's presence. You will be adopted by God and be called the sons of God, and you will have great reward. So look at this. When you humble yourself with every bit of humility, there is something that God is saying. I'm not just telling you to do this to see how much I can push you down. But God says that when you learn humility, oh my gosh, there is life. This is a blueprint for life, for joy, for happiness. The kingdom of heaven is yours. But not only heaven, all of the new earth. We are going to have all the pleasures of earth. We're going to have comfort. We're going to have healing and forgiveness. We're going to have fullness, satisfaction, mercy, knowing that we are accepted and whole and we will see God. We will be in God's presence. And not only that, but we will be brought in as God's children. The adoption as the son of the king with all that goes with it. And not only that, it finishes with just this, that they will receive great rewards. He can't even, can't even explain them. They're just going to be great rewards. So again, I want to close with this verse. Today, Proverbs 22, 4, the reward for humility and for the fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. So today, as we start to build our life, as we go forward this new year, will you start on a foundation of humility? Will you humble yourself? Will you humble yourself and change your view of who you are? It's not all about you. That's a big change in the direction of your life. Will you begin to humble yourself in how you see yourself? Will you begin to humble yourself in how you see others? See, it's going to change how you view others, how you talk about others. And then finally, will you change and truly humble yourself before God? 
Until we humble ourselves before God, first of all, there is no life. Until we recognize that, God, you are the very source of life. Jesus and Jesus alone paid the price on the cross for my sin. And so I humble myself towards him. But in that humbling, God will lift us up. And he will give us life. Amen. Let me pray with you.